you. I think I know most of you, but there may be some I don't know. I'm a regular congregation member here. And as Seth said before, uh, this month we have the incredible privilege of working through the narrative that John wrote, which is all about Jesus. And Jesus is spectacular. Uh, I don't follow social media very often, but I keep being told about influencers. Uh, they are the people that have millions of people who follow them. And I look at them occasionally and I think, what right do you have to influence people? And so what we are doing as we meet Jesus is we are meeting a real influencer. And in fact, he is a game changer, a game changer in our world. Uh, you know what game changers are. They're the people that are just so good that they change the course of a game. And so we saw it with the World Cup with the Matildas earlier in the year or you see it with your favourite football code or you see it in the tennis. There are just some people that are so spectacularly good that things change. And so uh, one of the examples is Donald Bradman, of course. He was just such an incredible batsman that he changed cricket. He was so good that the opposition had to try dangerous ways to try and get him out and so the rules of cricket had to change as well. And of course... That was just cricket. Uh, there are very few people that change the course of nations and of our world. And, of course, there's Adolf Hitler. Changed the course just of his na not just of his nation nor of Europe, but of the whole world. And one man, Jesus, changed the course of everyone's life, changed the course of everyone's life for good and changed the course of everyone's life for good and for all of eternity. And despite what the media will have us believe about his impact, things like basic human rights, the importance of the individual, social justice, care for the oppressed, beneficial social structures, hope for the future, all sprang from what Jesus taught and how he lived and how he changed people. And at a personal level, we heard from Emma about her and Nico before, but there are countless people over 20 centuries in all countries of the earth that speak of the way that Jesus has transformed their lives. And that's the man we have the privilege of meeting today. We'll do that through the encounter that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus who was messed up but didn't even know that he was messed up. I actually think that is a very sad thing to be messed up and not know that you are messed up is actually worse than knowing that you're messed up and seeking to do something about it. But what is it to be messed up? Um, and are you messed up? I think if I asked you to raise your hand about whether you're messed up or not, you would fall into one of two groups. Some of you would say, yes, I put my hand up, I am messed up, I am desperate for relief, relief, and if somebody walks past who can help me, I'll grab them. And there'll be others of us who say, I am not messed up, in fact, Probably you are thinking that I am superior to the people around about me. I don't need help. And my guess is as well that uh, you will sit politely and listen to this talk and think it's a talk for other people. It's not about me. Is that right? Well, if that is you, I want you to listen to Nicodemus because he is you and he is me. 
Now, messed up is so hard to nail down because we human beings are so complex and there are so many areas that we can be messed up in. And so you can be doing well in some areas of life and think, oh, I'm not messed up, and the other areas of life that we are messed up in, we don't pay any attention to. So we can be messed up physically, can't we? We need someone or something that can give us an intervention that can help, help us with our help. You can be messed up emotionally where you need support, you need advice and sometimes just need somebody else to be there with you. You can be messed up relationally and so you can work at changing your behaviours but the other person has to be willing to come to the party as well. You can be messed up because of the circumstances that you are in. Things are just so different, difficult that you can't find a way out. And there is spiritual and eternal messed up. And you know that inside of you, things are not quite right. There is a hole to be filled. And at times you even start to think that I am not right with God either. And every now and then that truth seeps into our consciousness as well. Now, messed up can come in short bursts or it can last for long periods of time. So sometimes physical messed up can be overcome quickly, sometimes emotionally messed up can be overcome quickly, sometimes it persists for a long time. The eternal and the spiritual messed up affects not just this life, but for all of eternity. And so what we often do is think, I am not messed up because I'm okay physically, I'm okay emotionally, I'm okay circumstantially, I'm okay relationally but eternally is what really matters. And so let's meet Nicodemus, who didn't think he was messed up. Chapter 3, verse 1 on page 834. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Nicodemus had everything. He was successful. He was a Pharisee. Now, I know when you hear the word Pharisee, because of kids' church, some of us are, are just predisposed to booing when we hear that word, but the Pharisees were the upright, moral group in society. They were respected by everybody because of their religious purity. And he was like that. But more than that, this Pharisee, Nicodemus, was a ruler of the Jews. He had status and position as well. He was a ruler here before us in Nicodemus, we have somebody who is respected, who is honest, who is virtuous, who is honoured. In fact, I'd like to think of an Australian political leader who is like that, but it's hard, isn't it? Moral and powerful tend not to go together, but that is what you find in Nicodemus. And yet there is something missing. There is something that Nicodemus desires, something more that he needs. And so we read on... This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Night is a strange time to visit someone in the first century. There were no street lights, there were no buses or cars. There would have been no lights you could just turn off at home. So why does he come by night? I don't think it's because he was afraid of what people would think of him. Night is always a symbol in this narrative of not knowing, of ignorance, of stumbling. Years ago, 
I went down a coal mine, uh, we were a group, me and a group of friends went down, and our guide took us down, there's all these black walls around the coal mine because that's the colour of coal, and he said, turn off your headlamps. So we turned them off and there was absolute blackness. I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face, and it must have only been after 10 or 15 seconds that I started to get dizzy and giddy and started to sway a bit because you can't even tell which way is up. That is what night is like. It's the idea of blindness, the idea of not being able to understand. It's not being able to see the right way from the wrong way. And so Nicodemus coming at night is symbolic of being blind, of not knowing something that was important to know, not knowing his way forward, so he needs to learn. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he calls Jesus rabbi. That's the Jewish word for teacher. But not just a teacher, says Nicodemus. You are, t you are a teacher who has come from God. If anyone can pierce this blackness and this darkness and this ignorance that I have, you can. And so already after two verses, we meet Jesus, a man who has come from God, who has much to teach that we need to listen to. So Nicodemus and Jesus meet, and I wonder what Nicodemus wanted to ask the teacher. And we will never know because Jesus doesn't even give him the chance to ask his question. Jesus goes right to the most important thing for this man, this man who has everything and exposes the darkness of his thinking and in doing that he shows Nicodemus's desperate need and he exposes our desperate need as well. Verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus, you might have everything. You might be respected by all. You might have an easy life, but step back for a moment from all that you have and let the camera zoom back out a bit. Think not just of today, of this week, of this month or this year, but of eternity. And what are you missing? What are you messed up about? The kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. As a Pharisee and a leader of the Jews, Nicodemus knew about the kingdom of God. This world, no matter how good or how bad it is, is not as it should be. No matter how easy it is for you, it's not good enough. And that's, that's obvious to us all because death. We are all going to die. No matter what you've achieved in this life, it will come to an end. And if you go to funerals, the sort of language that people speak about is he had a good innings, or at least it wasn't painful. There has to be something more to life than that, than having a good innings. And this Pharisee and leader of the Jews, Nicodemus, knew that God had promised something more. He knew that God would blow the full-time whistle on this world and start again. He would create a new and perfect world where death would be no more, where things were going to be set right, where people would be recreated. That is far better than having just a good innings. And that is what every Jew and Nicodemus was longing for. And I suspect it is also what we want too. And so for Nicodemus... To not be able to have access to the kingdom of God, that thing which he so deeply desires, is a person who is messed up. 
and really messed up because the consequences of not having access to the kingdom of God go on for all of eternity. We have such a short lifespan and to muck up the kingdom of God is an eternal failure. And so Jesus says to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Born again? What does that mean? It makes no sense. I'm with Nicodemus. Jesus says you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is scratching his head, what's this born again? So Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? That's a fair enough question, I reckon. I'm twice the weight that my mother was when she died. How can I possibly be born again? And how can I be born again when she's already dead anyway? And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Here is the answer to Nicodemus about being born again. Born twice is not to be born twice the same way because centuries before Jesus came, God spoke through his prophets and he said that water and the Spirit refers to the supernatural work of God in taking what is lifeless and futile and passing away and bringing it to new life. It's about being born into a new existence, into a new world, into the kingdom of God. And the idea of water and the spirit is so beautiful, isn't it? Water is about cleaning. Seth spoke before about God being in the business of cleaning. Not just eternal life, but cleaned up eternal life. That is what every Jew is waiting for but it cannot be achieved by a person's effort, by a person's intelligence or by applying the appropriate technology. Entering the kingdom of God is beyond human capability. Only God can bring about this new birth and that's why Jesus goes on to say, that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That must have been a slap in the face to Nicodemus and certainly it's a slap in the face to us because we think that we are masters of our own destiny. And Jesus says you cannot control it. You have to be spiritual in order to be born of the Spirit. But you and I are flesh. How can we possibly engage in the Spirit? And then Jesus uses an example of wind to show the lack of human control in it. When one of my children was young, she took a plastic bag outside on a windy day and tried to catch the wind. And you can imagine what happens. You hold the bag up and it, it gets filled with air, but then it drops down again because the wind has gone and all you've got is some air in it. And that's what Jesus goes on to say. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You can't control it. God makes the decision. Only God and God by his supernatural work can give you access to the kingdom of God and it's messed up to think that you can earn or demand or force your way into that kingdom, into eternity, even though it's the most important thing that matters. And my friends, that is so completely opposite to the way that we think. Because we are taught from our very earliest days that by our efforts we achieve things. And Nicodemus, the one who had achieved so much, is shocked by these words. And so Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? 
That seems a fair enough question from Nicodemus, but Jesus doesn't think it's a fair question because a teacher like Nicodemus should have known better. He should have known this. And so Jesus answers his question with, you're, Israel, you're a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Not knowing how to get into the kingdom of God can never be an excuse. The truth is out there. The truth is in plain sight. And this just shows how messed up Nicodemus and we are. The truth is out there and we don't pay attention to it. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. It's not just that Nicodemus doesn't know. It's not just that we don't know. Nicodemus and we do not listen to the one who knows and we choose not to do that. This is what we do. We put our hands over our ears as Jesus speaks. Does that ring true for you and for the, those that are around you? We listen to experts who know nothing and ignore the one who knows everything. It is Jesus and Jesus alone who has the answers to the most important part of life. And why wouldn't he? Because Jesus goes on to say in verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Here is the claim of Jesus. He came down from heaven. No one else has ever done that. And by the way, that is Christmas, which is still in our memory, is all about. Christmas is not in the end about sheep or camels or wise men or presents. It's that God came to earth in an extraordinary way so that he might tell us of the way to get to heaven. And why would Nicodemus not pay attention then to what Jesus says? Why would he not listen to Jesus and move out of darkness to become unmessed to enter the kingdom of God? And why would you not pay attention to what Jesus says, to move out of darkness, to become unmessed, to enter the kingdom of God? Well, Nicodemus asked the question, how do you enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus gives the solution. And the solution is beyond belief. Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That sounds strange to us about being lifted up and, the, and, the, and all that sort of stuff. But Nicodemus and the Jews around him knew exactly what Jesus was talking about because 1,500 years before this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, the Jews were journeying through the desert. It's the passage that Leonie read to us from the Old Testament. They were journeying through the desert and through their unbelief, they were bitten and killed by venomous snakes. And they called on God to save them. And God commanded Moses, who was their leader, to make a snake out of bronze and to put it on a pole. And anybody who looked at that bronze snake was healed. That is a humanly impossible solution. If we were bitten by venomous snakes, we'd think hospital, medivac, antivenine. But God's way of saving them was miraculous. 
No one would have guessed that this is the way that salvation would occur. Look up to the snake on the pole and the venom disappears. And God did that so that we would pay attention and understand when 50 generations later, Jesus met Nicodemus in a situation where the stakes are even higher than in the days of the snakes because it is not human life but eternal life that is now on view. Nicodemus desperately needs to know how to have eternal life, how to be made well, how to enter the kingdom of God. And the answer that Jesus gives, Jesus who has come down from heaven, who knows all, who can pierce the darkness, lift up your eyes. Now, not to a bronze snake on a pole, but to a man on a pole. In a little while, Jesus will be put on a pole, a pole in the shape of a cross. If people look to him and trust in what he accomplished, they have eternal life. Just like those dying of snake bites who were given new life by looking to the serpent, so those who look to Jesus on the cross will have new life, will have the kingdom of God. No wonder Nicodemus found this so hard to believe. And so Jesus spends a moment explaining it a bit more in that most famous verse of the Bible. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's just spend a moment on this little sentence. It starts with God. Because no human activity or no human ability can unmess life. Only God can. It is impossible for you or me or anyone to enter eternity by our own ability and actions. And so God intervenes. For God so loved. That little two-letter word, so, is such a beautiful word. It is not just that God loved, because love we use everywhere. I love chocolate. I, like I love days that aren't as humid as today. But this is the extent of the love of God. For God so loved. This is the way in which God loved. What is it? For God so loved the world that he gave. The kingdom of God is a gift from God to Nicodemus, to me and to you. For God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? His one and only son. I have one and only son and I think I can't imagine a time when I would give him up. But God did. God who had for all of time and before time had a perfect relationship with his son, God gave him up to an awful death on a cross-shaped pole. Why would he do such a thing? Why would he give up his one and only son? for you and for me, for whoever believes in him. 
There is no limit, no boundary to the extent of this gift, no matter how messed up you are, whoever believes in him. All of your past actions, all of your present failings, all of your darkness of not seeing your need, whoever. We sang in the song before, bring all your failures, bring all your addictions, bring them to the cross of Jesus. There is nothing and nothing you have done. It's for whoever turns to him. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life just by turning to Jesus and trusting him, just like those in the desert. Could there possibly be anything better than that? Many people here have experienced it. So talk to Nico, talk to Emma, talk to so many other people about them. Ask them if they think they have made a mistake in trusting Jesus. No, it's eternal life. So for all of us here today, it's an opportunity to meet Jesus and what a person to meet. Nicodemus came at the beginning of this chapter to meet the teacher who had come from God and he actually met the one who gave him life just by believing in him, gave him eternal life by just believing in him. Nicodemus appears later in John's narrative after Jesus has been raised up on the cross, after he has died to save those who trust in him. Nicodemus comes again, this time not by night, but in the daytime as a believer and prepares Jesus' body for burial. He comes as one who looked to Jesus and has eternal life. Fellow members of Wild Street, we have met Jesus today through this conversation with Nicodemus and in it we are called to move from darkness to insight, from being outside of the kingdom of God to being a member of eternity, entirely by what Jesus did for us by being lifted up on that pole. My guess is that some of you will walk away like Nicodemus did. Now, we don't know whether Nicodemus that day became a believer. We don't know if it was some time later. Maybe he came back to listen to Jesus again and again and put his trust in Jesus because you cannot know which way the wind will blow and how the spirit will move. But come and put your trust in Jesus that you might have eternal life. That is entirely the work of God. We have some things that might help you with that. So Seth spoke before about life, which starts on the 12th of next month, just a month's time. That would be a really good thing to go to so you can read more of the stories of what Jesus accomplished. But this is too important to walk away and not listen to the one who actually knows how to have eternal life. Let's pray together. Our Lord God, we thank you for this encounter that's recorded for us between Nicodemus and Jesus. Thank you not just that light might be shed 
on our darkness and on our messed upness, but that the solution is also there, that he was lifted up on a pole, that the kingdom of God might be given access to any of us. Thank you for that. And Lord God, don't let these truths as we meet Jesus today be wasted. Please take away those things that cause us not to pay attention to Jesus. Please take away those obstacles that we, like Nicodemus and so many million other people, might have eternal life. Amen. morning church my name's Emily I'm also a regular member of this lovely church family and I'm going to keep praying with you so let's pray together and if you agree with what I have to say you can say amen with me at the end let's pray dear father God how we are in awe of your great love we are astounded at your mercy and blown away by your grace Thank you for the gift of your word and for showing us in your word this morning the wonderful truth about your solution to the problem of our sin. Many of us today have been struck afresh at our sin, our rebellion against you and our need for forgiveness. We have all messed up, God, and we need your forgiveness. God, sometimes we cruise through life thinking we're doing okay and by our own effort we are good enough. In these times, God, please show us how messed up we are. It is scary to ask, but please show us our sin and our need for you. As we look around at your world, God, we see it groaning under the effect of sin and brokenness. We are deeply saddened by the ongoing conflicts in Ukraine, Israel, Palestine, Myanmar, Sudan, as well as other parts of your world. Please bring peace, we pray. We know, God, that your word of truth changes lives as it changes hearts, so we pray for your word to be spoken into these conflicts. In our own country, we see people struggling under the strain of rising costs, growing inequality, relationship breakdown, and the impact of family violence. Bring change, we pray. Help us to be compassionate and loving to those in need. Help us to be ready and willing to speak your words of comfort into people's lives. God, in all this, we ask that you would use these trials to turn people's hearts to you. We thank you, God, for the reminder through your word this morning that no matter what we have done, thought or said, we ha you have made a way for us to be forgiven. Thank you that all of us can come to you in repentance and faith. Thank you that for those who trust in Jesus, there is new life, eternal life with you. We pray for those who are thinking about these things for the first time, Give them the courage to seek you. Bring many to the life course and help us to support and love all those who are investigating Jesus. Please, God, we ask you to help us all to turn to you. For you said that if I am weak, I should come to you. If I fear, I should come to you. If I am messed up, 
I should come to you. Because we are all lost, but you sent Jesus to find us and on the cross showed us your love. Help us to know your love and to trust your son Jesus for forgiveness. It is in his name we pray. Amen.